Hi, I'm Shanna. Welcome to Pro Organizer Marketing Made Simple. Each week, we'll dive into simple, effective ways to attract new clients for your professional organizing business. Let's jump in. Well, it is so good to see you. Thank you for connecting with me today. Oh my gosh. Well, I have been looking forward to our conversation for weeks. I have been, I don't know that obsessed is the right word, but I've been interested in Enneagram for a while. Well, I just, I feel like Enneagram always just comes with an obsession. I was the exact same way when I was getting into it. It's just so fascinating when you're learning. It is. I read mm-hmm. the book, um, The Road Back to You. Have you read that? Yep. And Ian Cron and okay. yeah, so good. And that's how it came across my mm-hmm. <clears throat> my periphery or how I first um, became aware of it. So mm-hmm. after reading that, I kind of, um, you know, diagnosed myself. <laughs> yeah. I guess assigned myself a number. Yeah. And then um, everyone in my family, of course, because I had to know. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone. And my, yes. And my family mm-hmm. obliged. So that was sweet. Um, I but that. I found you actually just by with a Google search. Um, I, I was like, it would be so fun to talk with someone about Enneagram and business mm-hmm. or Enneagram and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I came across your website <laughs> called EnneagramforEntrepreneurs.com, mm-hmm. which is perfect. You got <laughs> Thank found. You. you got found. I love SEO <laughs> actually working in real time. Right? <laughs> I love that. So when we talked previously, mm-hmm. um, we had talked about how the Enneagram can explain clutter styles, but also mm-hmm. how you can use it to communicate with, uh, with clients, mm-hmm. also knowing yourself, understanding them. So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about how you, how you got into this, but then also yeah. how you've applied this for entrepreneurs and small business yeah. owners. Absolutely. So as I'm sure you've seen just getting uh, into the world of Enneagram, there are endless applications for this personality tool. It's such an incredible um, assessment of just kind of where you are on your growth journey. I think one of the things I love the most about it is it really doesn't box you into your type. It shows you how to really integrate with all of the other types, but one or really several of the most um, I would say transformative applications of the Enneagram in the world of small business is understanding how you handle stress, understanding your communication style, and understanding your ideal work environment. Yes. Um, so the three of those are really areas that I've seen uh, generate the most interest when it comes to personality styles um, within you, the Enneagram. Could you repeat those? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the first is understanding how you handle stress. Yes. The second is your communication style. And then the third is your ideal work environment. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I think that um, those are really starting points. I mean, when I'm introducing anyone to Enneagram, I always say it's helpful to first find your type. And that's not, it's really not a diagnosis. So you did do it the correct way and that you really are finding your type for yourself and self-diagnosing and sitting with it and noticing your behavior. Um, And I like to kind of spend a little bit of time helping someone correctly identify which type they are. 
um, and then start to integrate your growth path, which has two numbers, your wings, which are two different numbers. You've got subtypes. I mean, there's like so many different things to get into, but it really starts with the individual getting to a healthy point and then really understanding the community and world around them. And one of the most helpful things and understanding the Enneagram too, is just that we're all experiencing the world a little bit differently. And so it generates a ton of empathy and just understanding and problem solving and one person's strengths or another person's weaknesses. There's no bad type. There's no like best number, right? They're all, (laughs) all have equal strengths and weaknesses. Um, Everyone always thinks that they're the worst one, but I think that we're all, we all just feel so seen whenever the number presents itself. I remember when I first um, read about the type three, I was like mortified. No one can ever know. This is so embarrassing. (laughs) Uh I think everyone feels that way when they're presented with something that just so accurately, accurately shines a light, especially on things that you think you have so successfully hidden. Right. Well, and one thing with the Enneagram and kind of why specifically with this assessment that comes up is that um, it talks about your underlying fear, your underlying motivator, but that underlying fear. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So for a three, I'm a three. So, um, so yeah, when you read that, you know, like I'm reading these nice, you know, these nice things and I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you know, that's, that's me. Definitely me. Like I'm reading down through the things. And then it says underlying fear, worthlessness. And I'm like, oh, I didn't want anyone, didn't want anyone to know that. <laughs> totally, totally. And the biggest thing with the three is like covered up. <laughs> totally, because we're so, image conscious. Yeah. Right? So it's almost Absolutely. the worst thing. <laughs> oh, and it was so funny because I remember when I was first figuring out my type, I had been kind of sitting with a three for a while because I wasn't sure if I was a three or a seven. A lot of times they're both assertive numbers that like three sevens and eights can all kind of like misidentify. Um, But I was sitting with my mom and aunts and cousins. We'd done a girl's trip to all talk about the Enneagram together and like figure out each other's numbers, which is so fun. Super Um, fun. But I remember sitting and being like, I think I'm a three. I'm just not entirely sure. And mom's like, read it. She goes, oh, a hundred percent. She goes, I have proof. So she goes and gets like a childhood photo album, opens it up. And there's this picture of me from the fifth grade talent show. And I'm just in the center of a stage with my hands up. There's a spotlight coming down on me and I just like am glowing. And she was like, this is a three. Let's secure. Wow. Spot on. I was loving the limelight. (laughs) Okay. So are you a three wing two then? You know, I go back and forth. I really feel like I've integrated wings at different points. I think at this, in this season of my life, my four is probably a little bit more integrated than my two. Um, But two years ago, I would have said the two wing was a little bit stronger. So I really go between the two pretty um, well. And the the reason I ask is because again, I'm a three, but I'm Mm -hmm. more of a wing four, but Mm -hmm. I, um, I don't necessarily seek out a limelight. Like I'm always creating yeah. things and I'm always um, working towards my next goal, but mm-hmm. I'm not a, necessarily a performer. I don't necessarily yes. want to be on stage. Um, I just want to do well, wh- whatever yes. I'm doing. But my dad, he, so we, <laughs> we both did the Enneagram. Uh-huh. And so I was telling him about it. 
and he, you know, he came up as a three wing two mm-hmm. and he's very much, um, kind of center stage, yeah. um, had a television show and like was his yeah. happiest, you know, <laughs> like he just lights up when yeah. he is in that kind of capacity. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering, I was curious if that kind of center stage yeah. limelight was more the three wing two thing. You know, I don't know if it's related to the wings or the subtype. I also think I go through seasons of being more withdrawn and a little bit more like creative goal oriented. And then yeah. seasons of like, throwing on the charm and wanting to be like center stage. So I go so back and forth. Um, But that's funny that you mentioned that there are a huge common misconception with threes is that they always want to be performing. And that is definitely, we have some introverted threes for sure. Yes. And you probably can't tell because (laughs) when I'm in front of people, I am very much, you know, like I, I, um, I can interact with people. Yeah. But, you turn it on. <laughs> right, I turn it on, but my energy, like I have yeah. to have alone time to yeah. rebuild my energy. Mm, absolutely. Sure. I love that. One of my favorite things is really to talk to people like with all within the same type and kind of see some of the differences because it's a similar worldview, but it presents in different behavior. Yeah. So it's really, and that's one thing I love about it as opposed to like Myers-Briggs or some of the other personality assessments that are really based on behavior. The Enneagram is based on motivation. So the behavior can look so different, but you'll see that like the underlying motivation is like the exact same current, which is really cool. One of my closest friends is also a three and she and I had very similar upbringings as Mm. far as uh, being raised kind of in an agriculture setting, Southwestern Kansas. Um, Just a lot of the same types of people were in our lives mm-hmm. and influenced us. And, and so it's very interesting to see how some of those things play out, but it's funny that yeah. when she and I are talking, like we don't really have to explain things yeah. to each other because we, we get it and we know, yeah. we totally. know how, how they arrived or how she arrived yeah. at that specific thing. Yeah. So if you yes. were to, if we were to back up and just uh, be like, wait, maybe our listeners haven't ever heard of the Enneagram. How would you, you know, for if someone was in front of you saying, what's the Enneagram, I've never heard of it. How would you explain it? So it has kind of a complicated, not the most clear history. Um, But basically it's the idea that it's based on our ego, like identifying kind of some, there's even debate on whether or not you're born with it or it develops over time. Um, so there's a lot of disagreement within the Enneagram community. So I would say the thing that's most widely accepted is that at some point in childhood, you learned a truth or your ego learned a truth and the rest of your life, your personality was built on protecting that worldview. So like, for instance, um, for a three, it was kind of like, I need to perform in order like to be loved. Mm -hmm. And so you're really protecting this image and your personality forms around protecting an ego that believes that to be true. And you spend most of your adult life kind of either staying in that place and not doing the work in which you see a lot of like unhealthy behaviors. Um, and that's when you start to see more of like psychosis or personality disorders, Mm-hmm. Or doing the work to heal some of that past emotional trauma in which you integrate 
and move beyond the limitations of like your childhood survival mode. Um, so there's nine Enneagram types. A lot of people, because the numbers can be assigned values just based on how we use numeric numbers. So one is not better or worse than nine. It's just a way of differentiating. Sure. Yep. Um, but, and all of them have had different titles associated to them with different teachers. Some of the more common ones, um, the type one perfectionist um, really sees the world as black and white, right or wrong. There's a moral compass. There's a right way to do things. And they're really avoiding doing the wrong thing or making a mistake. Um, a type two is the helper. So they're really the more empathetic of the ego types. They're always looking to help um, and really feel that in order to be loved, they need to be needed. So they kind of create opportunities to be needed by others. Like, um, and also just like, that's how they show love. Like love is meeting me for, I need to serve a purpose. Yeah. A type three is sometimes called the performer, the achiever, but they're very much building an image of, I have to meet the expectations of others in order to be loved. Like there's really no room for me to fail, um, or to catch people off guard. Like I really need to like live up to the expectations and press, like garner admiration. And then people will love me. Mm -hmm. Um, the type four has historically been called the artist, but not every type four is artistically inclined. So I like to say individualist. Yes. I've heard yeah. that descriptor <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah. So they really are seeing like, I need to have self-expression. Um, and I think their focus is really on self-love. A lot of their work is on integrating kind of um, self-worth and self and finding it within instead of through others. So a lot of times you'll see an individualist like looking for a savior and a best friend and a partner and a business partner. Like they really are looking for people to fix them for the most part, because they feel like there's something broken inside. And a lot of their work is realizing that they're already whole. Okay. A type five is the observer. So they live within their head and they're also kind of in survival mode where it's, I need as much information and data as possible in order to survive. So they're kind of like the boy scouts of the Enneagram in my head, like the always be prepared. Uh -huh. <laughs> they have so much energy and so much resource. And they're very careful with who they have in their lives, their emotional energy, where they're putting their time um, and love solo time. They are definitely like the most obvious introverts. Okay. Um, and then type six, they're the loyalists. Um, and I love type six because I know so many of them and they're always identified by very high levels of anxiety. So it's yes. kind of this idea of like, <laughs> I need to have my support group. It's kind of like the, the chicken little of the Enneagram, yes. where like the sky yes. is always falling. Yes, um, and that. they think through, yeah, every last worst case scenario in order to not be caught off guard. Yep. But on the other hand, type six, always they're hilarious. They have a great sense of humor, um, incredible friends, very collaborative, very team focused. Um, and type seven is the enthusiast. So they are, they don't want to be tied down. They're always looking for like the next stimulation. Their mind is going 
a hundred miles an hour faster than anyone else, really quick thinkers. What's so funny is most type sevens are seen as really scattered, but it's not that they're scattered. It's that their mind's going so fast that they can't usually verbally keep up with how the pace that their mind is going. Right. So their verbal communication can feel like really disjointed. Um, but it actually makes sense if you like go yeah. through it with them. <laughs> yeah. My, They're just on a different pace. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, my husband is a seven and yeah. I actually had um, Molly Mayhar from uh-huh. uh, Stratajoy on the show yeah. a while back. And she is also a three married to a seven. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. And the friend I was mentioning earlier that, um, you know, she and I are very similar. She's a three. She's also a three married to a seven. So yeah. I don't know if you're married or you are in a relationship. I'm but not, but I feel like maybe you'll dated. find a seven. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, a seven would be such a dream. I've dated fours and fives and I need to just keep making my way around the wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, I love that. Sevens are fun. Uh, sevens are a lot of fun. My best, I have several friends who are sevens. Yeah. Um, a type eight, they're known as the challenger. So they have, they are the ones that you'll see a huge common thread that a lot of eights have endured really severe childhood trauma where they did not have a protective figure. So they've experienced some level of vulnerability as children and have created a wall of like, I can fight the world on my own, Mm -hmm. but you'll see a lot of sevens are really aggressive, direct, assertive types who have a very soft center. Um, so I also have so many friends who are eights, but they are very much, um, they parent themselves. Like they seem very capable in control on top of it leader. Um, but they definitely are needing to learn how to nurture the child within and, and kind of integrate that softness without feeling scared of vulnerability. And then the type nine, the peacemaker, They are the ones that most easily identify with every type on the Enneagram because they have a very unique ability to truly put themselves in the shoes of every other type and see their point of view. They're the natural mediators, um, very conflict diverse. Okay. Isn't harmony, harmony is a word associated with that Huge harmony. Yeah. Okay. They're very... They can be a little bit more low energy and the fact that they are like, like quiet, still calm peace. Right. Um, so like no disruptors. So that's kind of a loose overview of all of them. I actually, there's a couple of exercises that are helpful in identifying your type because there's so much more that goes into it. Like when you first hear it, you're like, there's like four or five I could easily identify as definitely. Um, <clears throat> I actually have a free uh, ebook that really walks through the whole process of finding your type. Um, so it's just enneagramforentrepreneurs.com slash find your type. Okay. So that'll make it really easy. There's like journaling prompts, questions to ask friends and family, tests that I would recommend as a starting point um, to kind of start that journey. And then once you find your type, like that's when the fun begins because you can kind of start to get a little bit deeper. Right. Because for me, I remember the path of being um, kind of, and we, we hit on this a little bit, a little yeah. while ago, um, understanding me 
And just kind of all of these light bulbs went on for me, like, okay, that's why I do that. Or that's why I always feel like, you know, if I'm not moving towards achieving a goal, I just feel like nothing is happening and everything is terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody else is thinking of that, of me, but that's what I think of myself. And then kind of once I wrapped my head around understanding myself, Mm -hmm. then it, and and then even having conversations and kind of encouraging my husband and yeah. my friends and my family to also take this assessment, um, understanding, like hearing their number and being like, okay, mm-hmm. um, it helps. It helped me understand more of, for yeah. instance, like my husband, um, mm-hmm. because he's kind of a dichotomy. He's a seven yeah. wing eight, so he's very, but he's also a perfectionist. So yeah. But yeah. only in certain yeah. areas. So it totally people are confusing because people are yeah. complex and then yeah. relationships are complex and how you interact. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. me, being able to um, kind of read the descriptions mm-hmm. and um, understand like, okay, well, that's, that is him being a seven yeah. or, totally. um, you know, with, with another friend, like, okay, they're, you know, she's, she's, a two, she's a helper. She wants to Mm -hmm. serve. Um, it just helped, it helped me understand where they were coming from more. Yes, totally. And so I could see how in business first knowing Mm -hmm. about yourself, um, and then kind of under having that understanding of how you can work with people, knowing that information could be really helpful. It is how do you do that with clients? Do you say like, as part of your intake, like what's your Enneagram? (laughs) Like, how do you, how do you open that conversation um, as a small business owner? So in some ways it's hard because I think for me, sometimes when I'm asking someone like, what's your Enneagram? I kind of feel like I'm asking like, so what's your trauma? Like, what are you most afraid of? (laughs) What is your worst (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it feels like it can get really invasive really fast. And I think that there is a level of my three that comes out in that, and that I don't like things getting overly personal when there isn't a safety net or like Mm -hmm. a safe space created first. Um, And that's like a very three thing that they keep things like pretty shallow until you've earned the depths. Yeah. So I've struggled and that sometimes I'll have clients even tell me their Enneagram. And I was like, Whoa, I haven't asked for that yet. Like (laughs) we're not there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know you that um, Yeah, exactly. But I think for me, um, there are little cues for things you can ask. So what's great is especially when you're working with the client one-on-one and especially when you're doing something that's service-based or like for me, I do brand as part of my design studio. So doing personal branding, there are some questions that can lead into more of like a filtering system where I'm like, Oh, like, why are you starting your business? Like how, how do you work best? Like what is, um, you know, what, what do you feel like your purpose in life is? And you can start to kind of put the threads together. So say you're, you know, reorganizing someone's space, And you're asking like, what does uh, a morning routine look like for you? Or like, walk me through how you clean the kitchen or, or something like that. So you can start to see their thought process of like, this thought is informing this behavior. And then you can start to put the puzzle pieces together. And I would say 
to start, the easiest thing to think about is like, what kind of energy is someone bringing to the table? So is their energy like really confident and assertive and bold and um, like sure of themselves? Then that's a big piece of information to kind of put away as far as um, they would call that like the assertion triads. That's usually like a three, a seven or an eight. Okay. Um, if it's more withdrawn, like you're kind of having to pull information out of them. They're like um, a little more shy or hesitant. Like I think that my mom's a nine. And anytime I ask her anything, she's like, well, like maybe this, but I could be wrong. It could be something completely different. And I was like, no, I mean, if that's what it is, yeah, (laughs) if that's what it is, just say it. (laughs) Right. So there are clues. Yeah. So So you can can ask questions. There are clues that you can kind of Mm -hmm. lead up to. Yeah. as a professional organizer, kind of going in and and doing the consultation, Mm -hmm. you can ask these Mm -hmm. questions to kind of give you an idea of of that number, because these -hmm. are the questions that are being asked, because you have to know, you have to know their systems, you have to know their routines. um, You kind of have to know the Mm -hmm. flow of their lives and their homes in order to put those correct systems in place that will serve Totally. Yeah. And I mean, even asking questions like, why do you think you've struggled with this up until now? Yeah. I mean, that's, you're going to get so much insight into their personality and their worldview that way too. You know, maybe they're saying like, I just haven't been told what to do yet, or this was never shown to me or, you know, X, Y, Z that you can kind of use that as helpful information. And for me, I kind of like, I mean, I'm obviously in the Enneagram world a lot more than maybe your average person is on a day-to-day basis, but even refreshing kind of how each of the types are, you'll start to kind of think through like, oh, I think this client might be this one just because of a few behaviors I've seen. And even if you get it wrong, it's not like, um, you know, it's going to be a crisis. You, you adjusting your personality to suit how someone else is responding is in and of itself part of how we learn how to be in relationship. Right. As I've also had clients who are completely mistyped, who are like, oh, I'm definitely, you know, a too. And I'm like, from everything I've ever learned and working with you, that could not be further from the truth. But I'm, it's not my job to tell you that. Um, I just have to know like, okay, that's how you view yourself. And I'm probably going to still play to which one I, I think is probably more accurate. Yeah. Well, and and one of the things that you were saying um, too, at Mm -hmm. the beginning of our conversation was understanding um, how you handle stress. So a lot yes. of times when clients um, are calling a professional organizer, mm-hmm. they are stressed because things yeah. aren't functioning because things are yeah. chaotic. And so really being able to understand Enneagram types um, can also help you figure out what's stressing your clients and to yes. remove that stress. Exactly. So I think one of the most, I would say one of the more telling signs of someone's type is how they're behaving when they're in a really stressed state. Yeah. And that is not, so the way the Enneagram works, you'll see on the diagram, every number has an arrow that's pointing to it and an arrow that's pointing away from it. So those are the stress lines. So there's one that you go to when you're in a place of security and it's kind of your integration. Um, so like for me as a three, my integration point is the six. So when I feel safe, I really become a member of my community. 
I'm able to vocalize what I'm afraid of, ask for what I need. Like those are kind of more of like a thriving state for me. Whereas when I'm in burned out, tapped out, too stressed, I go to a nine. I'm just like, forget it. I'm done turning it off. Um, Yep. And I, yeah, (laughs) I remember having a roommate once and she was like, I have never seen anyone binge a TV show like you. Like I have no idea how you do it. I was like, I honestly, I I blacked out the whole show. I just needed to like sit in silence because my body's depleted. My adrenals are fatigued. Like, and What's interesting um, is the more I've gotten to stress states, the more I realize that you, that is a survival mechanism that your body's going into what you need. So right. to keep you safe, not, basically. Yeah. So while it's not necessarily healthy to binge watch seven hours of Real Housewives, my body needs rest. And so right. that's just kind of like a survival mechanism. To when I start to see myself going there, like I'm shutting out the world, I'm withdrawing, I'm like going into like numbing state. It's a flash, like a yellow light, like, hey, girl, you need rest. Like, let's go to sleep. Let's take some melatonin. Like, let's take care of your body because like you're fatigued. Yes. Um, And I think so a seven goes to a one um, in stress a Mm -hmm. lot of times, like that perfectionism. And sometimes that can show up as like really chaotic OCD tendencies. Um, like I have a friend who's a like classic seven. And when she's stressed, it's like, watch out world. If there is a cup out of place, the world will fall apart. Um, (laughs) but I think what she really needs is a sense of order. Like her mind is so scattered. Life feels all over the place. Chaotic that if order can be created somewhere, it feels safe. And so really she's needing to quiet the mind, but it's coming out as like, if this dishwasher isn't perfectly organized, like I think I might lose my mind. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, and, and that's, that's my husband too. He's a seven. And when, when, you know, most of the time he's seven looking for adventure and interesting things, but he's in the construction industry and construction management. He's the superintendent Uh for a high-end remodeling company and his job is to make is is basically quality control and mm-hmm. so his job is to be a perfectionist and yeah. so that is like he he lives in that it's almost like he lives yeah. as a one at work and then the rest but but his life like his brain is actually yeah. a seven yeah but to do well, it's like he kind of, kind of just um, yeah. straddles that, that protection totally. space. And that order can be so good for a seven. Like one of my clients who's a seven, um, she's a retired, uh, I mean, she was an investment manager, like in finance, but you have to be like, there's no wiggle room when it comes to right. uh, that level of finance. And she thrived because she's quick. And like that order can really be such, such a good fit for a seven. A lot of, I would say, imagine a ton of sevens are fantastic organizers because they can make it fun while all, and be quick about it, but also right. have the sense of quality. Um, but what's so interesting is like when a one goes into stress, they go to four. So a one lives like a true one is living with a lot of suppressed anger that they don't feel like they're allowed to, supr- to express. Okay. Um, so when they get really stressed, it's like this volcano um, and then it erupts in venting out anger. Okay. So they go to 
basically a four, which is the four is like the biggest emotional spectrum on the Enneagram that feels complete freedom of self-expression. Yeah. But what's so interesting is like, it comes out as a temper and like moodiness and like every, like almost like this, uh, what we would think of as like overly emotional, but what that one really needs when they see themselves starting to go down that path is just a healthy place to vent. Yeah. Like a safe space to express anger and like full emotion. Yeah. Um, and then it keeps it from going really bad. So a lot of times I think that it's such a great more that those behaviors are such good warning signs, but then also know it seeing your client head towards that. Like for instance, say you have a client who is a one and is starting to like be really moody or get frustrated or lash out yeah. during the process saying something like, Hey, I bet this is super frustrating. Like, let's just have, take a second and just talk about how frustrating it is if this doesn't work yet Yeah, and get it out. And then we'll go from there. That's great advice. (laughs) Well, and that's something that I'd kind of forgotten. I mean, I remember uh, we mentioned the book, the road back to you, and I'll put the, I'll put that, the title of that book in the show notes too. Um, And I remember, you know, I remember the diagram and it, you know, the Mm -hmm. arrows of, uh, you know, when you're in stress, you go to this way, when you're kind of in a thriving state, you're, you're in the, you're this way. Um, but I'd kind of forgotten that, but that is so helpful, especially as an organizer in, in a service, in a way that you're, you know, you're in a service industry, um, to be able to recognize the clues of when someone is really under stress yeah. So that you can kind of walk them through that yeah. process and kind yeah, of it's like troubleshoot. Yeah, like troubleshooting ways to like kind of um alleviate the, the stressors and kind of uh, diffuse the situation. Right. <laughs> right. Getting into someone's personal life, I mean, our things, our home, our environment. It's about it's as so personal. personal. It's about as personal <laughs> yeah. as you can get, other than like getting in someone's bank therapy. account. And stuff. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, it's right. Yeah, it can feel invasive, especially to someone who's already feeling really vulnerable or stressed out. Yeah. Um, so I think learning the warning signs of each number is a great way to start to learn how to manage clients, but then yes. also being aware of your own warning signs so you don't in turn trigger someone. Yes. Yes. And there are pro organizers too, that have business partners or team leads Mm -hmm. that even just the interpersonal within your own team would be really helpful. Totally. And I think there are some, like I, people ask me all the time, they're like, who's the ideal business partner for me as a type, you know, whatever, Mm. who's, who should I date or marry? Like what's the right, like combination. Um, and I think a lot of that stuff's like popular more with like astrology. Um, but when it comes to the Enneagram, two healthy numbers will always be a good match Mm. and two unhealthy numbers of any will always be a poor match. Um, so it really is just about the health of the human. Um, but there are some complementary skill sets. Like I would say, especially in anything customer facing, um, a type five is really going to need to have to actively work on um, communication and like bringing the client into the process because they are such solo workers. Okay. So if they were to partner with someone that's better at client facing, um, it would just make it less of a burden. Yeah you know, 
And if a type two were to partner, I mean, twos and eights work really well together. Um, A two has a really hard time like maintaining personal boundaries. Like they're very like, yes, people. Um, And so I think, but an eight is so protective and so loyal. So a lot of times that could be a really good partnership and that one's protecting the boundaries of the other um, while the other is like softening. Um, So that can be like very complimentary. So even starting to kind of think through like, where, where are my natural weaknesses? You can start to look for team members where that's their natural strength. And then pairing, pairing people based on that. Because a lot of times a team lead and like a junior organizer will go out and then another team lead Mm -hmm. and another junior organizer. Um, So pairing people up that are, that are kind of complementary in that way. Absolutely. And in that case, I would say like, if the team lead is doing the pairing, then having some personality centric questions in an initial consultation would make that pairing so much easier. Yeah. Um, something else that you mentioned, I think it was the three things um, that uh, I can't remember how you worded it, but the <laughs> understanding, I guess, yeah. Enneagram helping you understand how you handle stress, your communication mm-hmm. style, and then the ideal work environment. Um, mm-hmm. So something that uh, probably, I think your environment probably yeah. is an outward um display or expression of if you're in a stressed place or a thriving space. And so when clients are calling for an organizer, they're probably going to be in some sort of stress space and therefore Mm. their environment is not ideal. Yeah. So this Enneagram assessment can also help Uh with um, kind of helping understand what that person's ideal environment is and how to get them there. Totally. Totally. And it can explain some clutter styles, but it can also just explain like from like more of a all encompassing place, like what would just be like a good kind of direction to turn the, at least a conversation about like, what does the space need to do for you? What does the system need to do for you? Yeah. So like for a type one, um, one thing that's kind of interesting about a type one is that they can get really frustrated when they're having to re-explain the rules all the time. Okay. So for say you're, I would find it really interesting to organize for a type one because a type one is such a natural organizer. So for them to be calling an organizer, something is like very clearly off. Yeah. Um, so I think that they would be like in a very stressed state. Um, but I would, if they have family or anyone that they're sharing the space with talking about like, okay, how are we going to communicate the system to everyone else that's going to use it? So that you're not the one that's always enforcing it. Cause if you're right. always enforcing it, you're going to shut down and right. like, that's you're exhausting. Hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be enjoyable. And, but a one does thrive in a teaching environment. So sitting down and being like, okay, I want you to explain the system, how it works, why it works. And then let's have like another form of where they can go to remind themselves. Yeah. So maybe really a binder helpful. or something yeah. on the, like kind of post, like something pretty yeah. posted on the wall. Of totally. And if you see things like really out of sorts for a one, they're like in a very stressed state, they will go to a seven. So things yep. can get really scattered um, and almost like manic in a way um, when their world feels like really chaotic. Um, so paying attention to like, 
I would say with a one, when clutter starts, it can progress really rapidly. So getting them back on track to like, okay, let's create order wherever we can and slowly get you back to a place, but also make it manageable. Um, And then, so for a one also, um, there might be a level of trying to dig and see if any part of the clutter is um, a form of passive aggression towards being the only one maintaining it. Ah, So there might be some like inter- family dynamics going on there. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, for a type two, I would say the main reason clutter starts for a two is that there's just not enough fuel in the tank. Mm-hmm. They're driving kids to carpool. They're getting dinner on the table. They're balancing the checkbook. They're showing up for friends. They're a PTA mom. They have too much on their plate. Yep they're not taking care of themselves. And as an extension, they're not taking care of their environment. So I think it starts with being like, you matter, your space matters, and you cannot give from an empty cup. So let's first start with taking care of yourself. So I think starting, like if you're to reorganize a whole house for a two, starting in their closet in their bathroom and then working out to the other family members would be such a transformative experience for a two. Yeah. Cause I think it's kind of saying like, let's take care of you first and then we'll take care of the rest of the family. That is so good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That makes so much sense. And as you, yeah. as you speak through each of the different types, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm picturing someone that I know that is yeah. that. And I'm like, yes, Abby, would love that. Yeah. That would be transformative for her. Totally. Because it probably doesn't happen often. And right. for a two, all they want is to feel appreciated yes. at the end of the day. Yes. Um, for a type three, I would say it's efficiency. Like yep. if their life is getting chaotic and out of order, they're they just feel too busy. There's just yep. too again, there's too much on the plate, too much they're trying to do. And it's not from a one where it's like, um, chaos out of order. It's almost like, a, I just can't juggle this. And they, I would say for a three client, they want efficiency, like goals. Let's map it out. Let's make progress. I don't really want to do a deep dive into like my behavioral patterns yet. Let's just like make some mini progress. And then slowly I'll share how I think we might've gotten here as we go. Cause like yep. trust really has to be built over time. So if you start the initial consult and like what, what do you think you like happened to get to this place of clutter? They're either going to shut down or they're not going to tell you the full truth. Right. You're just not going to get the full picture. Well, and they're going to want to see. Further. Yeah. And, the, and yeah, in kind of that achieving, they want to, they want to mm-hmm. see a transformation probably fairly quickly yeah. because then it means that something is being accomplished. Totally. Like starting by taking everything out of the pantry in the kitchen while you slowly resystematize is going to really stress a three out, I think. Right. You want like little start with the drawer. Yeah, small wins. <laughs> yes, totally. Right. Totally. Yep. And they can like see how it works and then they'll trust the bigger, longer projects and have more patience for them. Yes. Um, for a four, it needs to feel inspiring. Okay. I think gathering like mood boards of like, here's what your space could look like. If we had a system, having some visual components, asking like, how does this feel? Or does this feel like you? Um, When you're 
suggesting a new system? Be like, is there anything you would change? Is there anything you would like customize to kind of fit your personality or the way you want your day to flow? Um, so even thinking back on some fours, I know they really don't like being told that like, this is what you do and this is how to do it. Right. They want a little more autonomy. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's saying something like, here's kind of a baseline system I would recommend. Let's customize it for what works best for you and a little more collaborative. Um, so I think they would very much like to be part of the process. Um, for a five, they're going to want all the information. Aesthetics are not as important as it yep. making sense. So like, it's cool that all of the spices are organized by size. But if they're not like alphabetical or like something else, it it's lost. Sure. They're not looking for something just pretty. They're just looking for something that like really makes sense logically. Definitely. That logic is super important. And so I would five say, may not want to decant every cracker, every type of pasta. No. Yeah. Like, this is actually makes sense. And back to the four, a huge reason clutter starts for them is that it's, so expressive. They start a project, they haven't finished it. It's all over the place. So it's kind of also creating uh, spaces dedicated to different things that can kind of create atmospheres um, like, you know, a space for a med- like meditation or journaling in the morning or like a space for making coffee or something like that. Kind of creating experiences within a yeah. home is really good for a four. Um, but yeah, to a five, it's a logical system. Um, and they're really going to want, like, they're going to be very into like the data systematizing, like this makes sense because of this, or like you will use your spice rack in this part because it makes sense for when you would be using it. They like very cause and effect order. Yes. That makes (laughs) a lot of sense (laughs) for a six. You know, I think that clutter starts a lot from just, it's very similar in a two that they're kind of caring for the needs of a family, you know, caught up in their community or what's kind of going on in clutter builds. I would say I've noticed, I haven't noticed a lot of like clutter tendencies among sixes that I know they seem to be pretty. um, I think there's part of that anxiety that's always constantly trying to create order. Sure. So I would say that if they're in a season where there's a lot of clutter, it's probably already a pretty stressful season for outside things. Maybe they've just had a baby or they're going through a career transition and they just don't have like the energy and mental capacity. So I think in a lot of ways it's creating a system and then it's talking about like, here are some ways to motivate yourself to keep it. Okay. You know, so I would say really emphasize the benefits of having an orderly space for a seven. (laughs) It's hard because they're just so scattered Um, and that like, if it's not fun, they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So unless they're in a stressed state and then it goes to one. Right. Must be perfect. Yeah. So I think for a seven, a lot of it is a keep it aesthetic, like focus on like, we're going to organize this in a way that's like in your ideal color palette or like looks beautiful. And it'll be so fun to entertain when all of your cocktail glasses are in the same China cabinet, you know, emphasize how much more fun life will be when things have a sense of order and structure to them. Yes. Like you actually have more options once all of your books are in one bookshelf or like 
your kids, you're going to have more fun with your kids when you're not like chasing down every piece to a puzzle so that you can do it with them, yep. you know? So like kind of showing that like order actually creates possibility instead of it being limiting. Um, Love that. And then for an eight, uh, you know, I think it's hard because when an eight stressed, you're going to come into like, probably like a very high assertive energy situation where they're probably going to be telling the organizer what to do. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, Hey, I want this organized and here's how I want it done. And this is exactly the way that you should do it. And I'll like watch and make sure you do it that way. So, and the organizer will have to push back and say, you have hired me because I have this skill set. Right. Mm -hmm. But the best thing about an eight is they bond through getting it right back. Okay. So for every eight, I know they push, but they respect you when you push back. Right. So just don't be afraid to push back. Like if you get a client who's like high aggressive energy, I know what I want. I'm confident. Like you came in here as a vendor, like, you know, here's what I want you to do. And you push back and like, no, this is how we're going to do it. And here's why you will have won them until the end of the project. Yes, I agree 100% and matching their level of intensity. Yeah, yes. Um, So if that eight is like up here at an intensity, you Mm -hmm. have to meet them there at that level of intensity. And then yes, they completely respect you. Totally. And you can move, you you can keep moving. In some ways, I wonder if it's a test sometimes Mm. because I've had clients who are eights um, and they come with a lot of demands and then I will come back with a lot of demands Mm -hmm. and there's like a clashing of the heads, but then they learn where those boundaries are. And from there on out, it's the best relationship ever. You just got to show them where the line is and they won't cross it. I I've had ex- exact similar experiences. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is just learning how to push back with an eight because it can be scary at first, but then the sure. more you do it, the more you're like, oh, this is nothing. Sure. Um, pushing back with a three, on the other hand, can sometimes get dicey. Right. <laughs> but, uh, a nine, um, you know, the thing with a nine is that they're low energy. So clutter is going to form because they just do not have the reserves to, um, maintain order. Like they'll start off strong, but then they'll be tired or something else will get in the way, or it's just too much to like remind the kids that they have chores. And so they'll do everything, but then they'll kind of lose, you know, side of that. And then they just kind of give up. And I think um, for a lot of nines, it's a reminding them that they have an intuition and a voice that's worth exploring. Yeah. So saying like the fact that you want an ordered space is enough to create an ordered space. Yes. It's like, let's stop saying it doesn't matter. Or I probably have better things to do with my time or, you know, stop apologizing and let's do it because it's something that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really, again, same as, um, it's just like kind of motivating them to um, reminding them of the benefits, why they started, uh, why it's important to them, how they anticipate that it would change their lives yeah. and, and just kind of reminding the, of the why throughout the whole process. And a nine might be a good candidate for an ongoing maintenance package too. To Absolutely. Kind of, like, it might be yeah. motivating for them to be like, Oh, you'll come back every quarter and help me again for a few hours. And yes, that might seal the deal on the front end, knowing that they have help going, going forward. 
Yeah. I think nines get very overwhelmed by um, involved plans. And if they feel like they have support, they're going to be a lot more likely to get started in the first place. Yeah. Well, this is so helpful. (laughs) I think we have covered, we've covered so many bases here Mm -hmm. on how to, um, how to use the Enneagram and how the Enneagram can help you work with clients, find clients, even sell more to clients, especially with like that last piece that we just Mm -hmm. talked about, um, selling kind of the maintenance, uh, schedules. Yeah. Uh, What, what else do you think a pro organizer would need to know to best utilize the Enneagram? I would say really the best place to start is personal growth. So getting familiar with the Enneagram as it pertains to yourself, noticing your own behaviors, um, and really learning as much as you can about your own type is going to give you a natural curiosity and sensitivity to the types of others. Um, so I just would always recommend that someone start with their own personal growth and then probably start to integrate it into team members. Um, kind of like your more traditional corporate team building, um, and just having conversations and like, how do you like to receive feedback? Um, what do you do when you're angry? Like, what's the best way to bring something to your attention and just asking those questions um, and starting conversations like that is another like great way. And I think the Enneagram gives us insight into the types of questions we should be asking. Yes. Well, and you mentioned um, as far as kind of figuring out your own Enneagram type, um, your assessment, is it an assessment, an ebook? It's an ebook. So it really goes through all the types and then it gives you a lot of like further questions, journaling prompts, um, and even some of my favorite online tests, if it's still not totally clear, um, it's super comprehensive. So if by the, by the end of it, you will know your type, um, but it's Enneagram for entrepreneurs slash find your type. Awesome. So yes, Enneagram for entrepreneurs.com slash find your type. And then mm-hmm. people can also find you at, uh, on Instagram at Enneagram for entrepreneurs. Yes. And then also at drop drop cap design, which is your yes. design agency. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So how, I have to know, how did you get into this as a designer? So, did you just get, uh, get curious or how did you get into <laughs> a little this? bit? It was like, uh, five years ago, I just was in such complete burnout with work. And I had had a couple of friends mention the Enneagram, but I thought like, I don't want to do another Myers-Briggs. Like these things are interesting for a little bit of time, but I need like deep help. Um, But I was gifted the road back to you actually. And I started reading it um, and I was like, wow, this is completely different from anything else I've come in contact with. And so I kind of took a month off from, um, working with clients. I was just like at my wits end and I read probably 10 Enneagram books. I mean, I read the Richard Rohr. I read, um, you all like the wisdom of the Enneagram, um, everything I could get my hands on. I was like, so in the weeds, um, loved it. And then I started writing stories as my way of trying to process the information. Okay. (laughs) So because my brain kind of works that way. I was like, I won't understand a type five 
and to like create a type five character and try to think like, how would this actually play out? So that's why the blog started was like short stories around each type. Okay. So I could kind of be like, oh, this is how that would play out. Um, and then I ended up like getting certified in San Francisco and just like going down the whole path. But wow. um, I love it. I think it's amazing. Every time that I kind of take a step back and I'm like, burn, you know, you get burned out with anything if you sure. are in it for too long. Yeah. Um, and I step back and I'm like, oh yeah, this is still just as powerful as it was when I first started. And just, there's a lot of goodness there. Definitely. Well, that is amazing. And I am glad <laughs> that, um, that I found you and that uh, you were able too. to share all this great information with us uh, today. Well, I think thank you so much for having me. I've yeah, absolutely. This. You've given a, you've given me a lot to think about. And I think our professional organizers lots to think about and then implement mm-hmm. in their own services. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for listening to Pro Organizer Marketing Made Simple. Head over to the website for full show notes at proorganizermarketing.com. There, you can also sign up for free tools and resources to grow your business. See you next time.